I want to welcome you guys today. If you're joining us maybe for the first time or if I've never got a chance to meet you, my name is Kyle Brownlee. I have the privilege and honor of serving as the lead pastor here at Experience Church. Glad that you're here. Also want to take a moment to look in the camera as I do every week and say a big hello to, to all those joining us online along with all the men and women in our correctional ministry in our local county jail out at CCNO in one of the 400 prisons throughout our nation and even in the country of Belize in the Belize Central Prison. We love you guys. We believe in you. Come on, D-Town. Let me welcome our church family today. So good. Like I mentioned earlier, we are in week number two of our relationship series called Revive, bringing some of our relationships back to life. And I want to start off by taking a look at our theme verse for this entire series, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 and 18. And Paul says, now we look inside. On the, on, in the depths of who we are, on the inside of our hearts. And he says, what we see is that anyone who is united with the Messiah, anyone who's united with Jesus, gets a fresh start, is created new. The old life is gone. A new life emerges from the inside. Look at it. And all this comes from the God who settled. Everybody say Settled. That word settled literally means to reconcile, restore, or revive, to bring back to life. All this comes from the God who settled the relationship between us and him. And then after God settled our relationship with him, then he's called us to settle, same word, revive, restore, reconcile our relationships with each other. In other words, what Paul is telling us here in this passage of Scripture is that relationships matter. In fact, last week we talked about how our relationship decisions are some of the most important decisions that we will ever make in our lives. Obviously starting with our relationship with Jesus, but then filtering down from there with each other. And today I want to I focus on our marriage relationships, but but maybe not in the traditional way that we might expect. I read a book a couple of years ago that really impacted me and and helped me and Justina out in our marriage. It's called Healthy Me, Healthy Us by Dr. Les and Leslie Parrott, the the relationship, Christian relationship gurus. And it's a great resource. I would highly recommend it to you. But I want to share just some of the things that I learned from that book with us today and The truth is, when we talk about marriage, the the question so many couples ask time and time again is, what's the most important thing that we can do in our relationship? In other words, like, what's the secret sauce? What's the key to having a great marriage? Now, the answer might shock some of us today because... Uh, we automatically start thinking uh, of how maybe we can learn some new skills or grab a hold of some new tactics or, uh, or pick up some new tips along the way. And now, don't get me wrong. Th- those things are important. Those things have value. But I want to suggest to us today that what our relationships need, what our marriages need is something deeper like something stronger and something that has more to do with us being someone rather than us doing something. And so the one thing that we can do, the secret sauce, you ready? Are you excited for it? Nobody, 
I'm going to keep it. I'll preach to me then. Fine. I don't care. The key to us having great relationships and a great marriage, the secret sauce is two words, get healthy. Everybody say get healthy. Now, what we mean when we say get healthy is that individuals, ourselves, that we would get healthy mentally, emotionally, relationally, and spiritually. Now, the reason why this might shock some of us is because uh, most of us, when we think about having a great marriage or having a great relationship, we start thinking about the other person. Like, if only they would do this. If only he would do that. If only she would stop doing this. Then and only then could we have a great marriage. Then and only then we could have a great relationship. And we we look to our spouse's flaws so easily and so quickly. Like It's kind of easy to see what our spouse needs to change. Anybody else? Like It's so easy to see what they need to do. But on the other hand, it's not always clear what we need to do. Let me give us our key thought for today's message, and that is simply this. Our relationships can only be as healthy as we are. Like, if we want to have healthy relationships with other people, then we have to be healthy ourselves. It's important for us to remember, church, that no other person was designed to complete us. Now, I know what Hollywood says. I know the picture Hollywood paints. And how many of us are, it might work for the movies, but it doesn't work in marriages. No other person can complete us. And if we try to build a relationship with someone before we have become healthy and whole, all of our relationships become an attempt to complete ourselves become an attempt to fill in the gaps and fill the void in our hearts. It's important for us to know. And so whether we are single today or we're in a dating relationship or uh, maybe we're married, whether we're young or old or somewhere in between, no matter what season of life we find ourselves in, no matter what baggage or background we might have, the one thing we all have in common today is that we're either moving toward or we're moving away from the person God created us to be. We're either maximizing our moments in the life, the one life that God has given to us, or we are letting them slip by without even noticing. I, wanted, I just want to uh, encourage us to do what the Bible says in one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Uh, it's Ephesians chapter 5. If you would say, Pastor, what is one of your top five Passage of scripture like your life verse. This would be in my top five. And Paul simply says this. He says, be very careful then how you live, church. Be careful on what relationship decisions that you make. Be very careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity. I want to encourage us to do what Paul's telling us today, no matter what age we are, no matter what stage or season of life we might find ourselves in, no matter even how long we've been following Jesus. Maybe we've been following Jesus for 50 years or for five minutes or we're about to at the end of the service today, that we would live as wise. 
understanding that our relationship decisions are some of the most important decisions that we will ever make in our lifetime. Understanding that our, our relationships are only as healthy as we are, that we would live as wise, making the most of every opportunity. And so t- today, the, the, the title of the message is, it starts with me. Come on, it starts with me, not the other person. It starts with me. Let it start with me. If I want to have a great marriage, let it start with me. If I want to have great relationships, let it start with me. And I love what the author, James Allen, said. He, he said, people are anxious to improve their circumstances, but aren't always willing to improve themselves. I mean, we want maybe our situations to change. We want our marriages to get better. We want our relationships together, but we're not always wanting to do the hard work of improving us. Come on, it starts with me. Someone say, it starts with me. It starts with me. But I, I think it's important that as we kind of unpack this reality that our relationships are only as healthy as we are, that we understand what that means. Like, in, in other words, would we know what health and wholeness looks like if we saw it in someone's life? And if you would say, I'm not really sure, don't worry, I got your back. That's what I get paid to do. And so what I want to do real quick is just give us a, a, a character quality comparison between someone who's, who's healthy in their relationships and somebody who's unhealthy and struggling in their relationships. Now, here's the key. You're going to want to look at this list, and the only thing you're going to want to see is your spouse. Don't do that a lot, right? The goal would be, now, but if you are dating someone, you need to find that person you're dating on this list and see what category they're in, right? Just to make sure. I'm just saying, there's still time. There's still time. But, but the goal would be, where, where do I fit in on this list? What are some qualities and characteristics that I have in my life, right? And so uh, healthy people, they are self-aware. But someone who struggles in their relationships and is unhealthy, come on, they're self-absorbed. Someone who's healthy is proactive. I'm not waiting for a problem. I'm, I'm being proactive. I'm not going to wait till my marriage is a disaster and start working on it. Come on, somebody. But someone who's unhealthy and struggles, man, they're reactive. They're waiting till we can't get along. We're fighting. Now I better. Now I got a problem and I got to do something. Right? Me and me and my wife Justina, we started uh, getting marriage counseling years ago, and our our counselor was like, "Man, you're one of the few couples." that I, I meet with that don't have, well, we got issues, but that, that are, are on, on the, uh, about to throw in the towel. Like, but we're like, we don't want to wait till there's a major crisis to start letting someone speak into our lives. We want to be proactive. We want to get ahead of it. Someone who is healthy is, is resilient. Man, they adjust easily. But someone who is unhealthy and struggles in relationships, they're inflexible. A healthy person is optimistic. Yes, we can. But someone who is unhealthy, they're pessimistic. A healthy person is confident, but someone who struggles in relationships is insecure. A healthy person's empathetic. Someone who's unhealthy is indifferent. I don't really care. I mean, I don't know. A healthy person is humble. They have humility. But someone who struggles in relationships, man, they're entitled. Someone who's healthy is grateful, but someone who's unhealthy is resentful. And then finally, someone who's healthy is growing, getting better. But someone who struggles in relationships, they're passive. And the truth is, the reality is, is that all of us can find ourselves on both sides of this list. That's the truth. That's the reality. We have some healthy qualities about us, 
But the reality is we also have some unhealthy qualities about us that is actually kind of sabotaging our relationships, sabotaging our marriage. And that's why it starts with me. That's why it starts with me. And, and, and the key is those last two. Are we growing? Are we making progress? Or are we passive and staying stagnant? Have we fallen into the trap of thinking if only the other person would change, then we would have a great relationship? Or do we understand and realize that our relationships can only be as healthy as we are? So the question is, how do we revive some of our relationships? What's the pathway to personal progress and growth? Well, I'm glad you asked today because I have the answer. I want to give that to you for free today. I want to give us three steps to health. Three steps to health that will change every single relationship we have. So if you're single, if you're dating, or if you're married, these are three steps to health for us getting healthy. And I think it's important for us to know these are steps. So they build upon one another. You guys ready to get into it? Let's start with step number one. The first step to health is number one, understanding our significance. And in other words, this is the first step to health is really us getting right with God. Like this might seem a little counterintuitive, but this is recognizing and believing how significant we are in the eyes of God. Why this is so important is if I don't understand how significant I am, how could I understand how significant my spouse is? How many of we can't give what we don't have? And if I don't realize my significance, if I've not been impacted by God's love, how can I recognize how significant my spouse is? I love what St. Augustine said about the love of God in our lives. He said, God loves each of us as if there were only one of us. Wow, how many know God's a personal God? He comes for the one. He loves us like we're the only one. And he loves us that way. And this, but this truth, it goes so much deeper than just us being able to repeat it or say it or quote it. This reality is so much deeper than just us knowing what the Bible says or us coming into a building and singing about God's love. Like, like we have to come to a point where we believe this reality with every fiber of our being to the point that it shows up in our everyday lives. When that happens, that's when God's love becomes real and it changes everything. It, it, what changes it isn't that God loves us anymore. It's that we receive it and we believe it and we recognize it. I, I, I heard this analogy many years ago talking about the love of God, but uh, someone had pointed out, pulled out like a hundred dollar bill. Just like I just did. I just did that. How many of us would say you would want me to give this hundred dollar bill to you? Go and raise your hand. Come on, raise your hands. Play along a little bit experience church. You want this. I'm looking for hands. I'm looking for hands. Who would want this $100 bill? Want it? A lot of you. Okay. Now show me. How many of us still want this $100 bill? Raise your hand. You, you still want this $100 bill? All right. How many of you still want this $100 bill? You still want this $100 bill? Who wants this $100 bill? You guys want it? Why? Because it still has value. And you might say today, but you don't know what I've done, Pastor. You don't know where I've been. 
You, you don't know what mistakes I've made. You, 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 don't, know, you don't know some of the things. Some, you don't know some of the, the deepest, darkest secrets of my life. And God would say, I do. I do, and I still love you, and I still believe in you, and that you still have value. That's the love of God, isn't it? And I, I'm going to love putting this back in my pocket. <laughs> you know, C.S. Lewis says it like this. It's not in your notes, but he said that the Christian doesn't think God will love us because we're good, but that God will make us good because he loves us. Significance isn't about us performing or achieving. It's a gift that we receive from God. For example, how many of us know that something is worth what someone's willing to pay for it? And didn't he pay the ultimate price? That he gave up his life. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. That while we were still sinners... When we didn't deserve it, when we were at our darkest points in our lives, we'd done nothing to earn his grace and his love and his forgiveness. What did he do? He died anyways. Christ died for us. And the way, the way that we start to embrace this, this profound significance and love of God in our lives is to start focusing on the single most important conversation that we will ever have. In fact, we constantly and consistently have this conversation, and that is the conversation we have with ourselves. How many of us know that we, we talk to ourselves more than anybody else talks to us? How many of us know we listen to ourselves more than anybody else? And so what we believe about ourselves is a direct result of what we told ourselves to believe about ourselves. How worthy and how significant we feel is a direct result of what we told ourselves how significant and worthy we are. In other words, our self-talk is so important. And honestly, our self-talk falls into one of two categories. Either our self-talk is positive or our self-talk is negative. What would you say in your life is the bigger bucket? When you think about some of the things that you tell yourself, some of the things that you say to yourself, would you say that your, your thoughts are mainly positive about yourself or mainly negative? You know, according to, to some experts, they say the average person, uh, their self-talk, about 78% of their self-talk is negative. And you think about that. How, how can I love someone else? When I can't even love myself, how can I see the significance in somebody else when I don't even see the significance in me? And then I'm going to enter into a relationship, in a marriage, and try to do life together when I don't even love me? Healthy me, healthy us, right? It starts with me. It starts with us realizing that, that, that God loves me in spite of me. This is, I mean, this is a tough thing, because I don't know about you, I'm, hard on, I'm harder on me than anybody else. Like, nobody's as hard on me as I'm on me. Like, by the time you get to me, like, even back in the day when I was a kid, my dad would come to me and go, you know what you did? I already knew what I did. There was nothing my dad could say that would make me feel even worse, because I already knew where I messed up. That's why I think we kind of got it wrong in church sometimes. Like, you don't need me to point out things you've done wrong. You already know them. 
We need to focus on the answer, not the problem. The answer is Jesus. He's, he's the way. He's the truth. He's the life, right? That's, that's who we're focusing on today. And so all of us can fall into this performance mentality where we feel really good on the days we get it right, and we feel like heaven's silent and God's disappointed us on the days we get it wrong. And this, God really began to deal with me in this, especially when I became a father. Any other parents in the house? Because what was interesting about being a dad for me was that yes, depending on my ch children's behavior, they can move in and out of my blessing. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Now I'm preaching, parents. They can move in and out of the, my blessing, but they could never move in and out of my love. There's a big difference. And in that, God reminded me, that's how I love you and even more. Your behavior can move you in and out of God's blessing, but it's never going to move you in and out of his love. And God, give us a greater revelation of your love for us. Give us a greater understanding. Like, where does that come from? It comes from us just going all in. I'm going to be in God's house. I'm going to be in God's word. I'm going to surround myself with God, godly people. And I'm going to go on this journey of slowly peeling back the layers and lies that I've come to believe about myself and embracing truth. How many know it comes to, to letting God believe in what God says more than what we say? And understanding, so the first kind of step is understanding our significance. And as we start to go on that journey and get revelation and understanding, then we can move on to step number dos, to health. That will, that's, that's Italian for two. The second step to health that will change every relationship that we have, not just our marriages. Number two is choosing to be authentic. Where the first step was us getting right with God, this step is about getting right with ourselves. And so what is authenticity? It is being real and genuine. It's when we're the same person at home as we are at work. It's when we're the same person at work or school that we are in church on Sunday morning. We don't come in Sunday morning and act one way and then go home and act another way. Now we're authentic and we're real and, you're, and we're genuine. How many of us know that authenticity does not put up with or have any time for, for imitation or smoke screens? I mean, authenticity is what separates those who walk the walk from those who just merely talk about it. When we're authentic, though, here's the, here's the key about authenticity. When we're authentic, wholeness and health start to grow at a rapid rate. Because how many of us know that God can't heal and make whole the person that we pretend to be? And something, something beautiful happens when we're real, authentic, and genuine. When we take off the mask and say, here's, here's who I really am. Doesn't it invite the people around us to be authentic too? Yes. It allows, you got stuff too? I can take my mask off and I can be real? Now we're starting to have some real relationships. Now we're starting to do life together. Now we're starting to get a better recipe for good, healthy relationships and healthy marriages. But at the same time, we all can struggle with that fear of being rejected. We can all struggle with that fear of being hurt or I don't want to be hurt again. And so as a result, we're, we're tempted to put up a front or hide behind a mask or keep people at arm's distance or build a wall around our hearts to not let anybody in because I never want to get hurt like that again. Even the people that we love, 
And I love what, what David says in Psalms 139. He goes back to the very place where his significance is found. Because he had baggage, he had issues, he had fears, he had rejection, he had hurt, he had pain. So what do you do in that place of being fearful of not wanting to reveal yourself to someone else? Because I'm not sure what you're going to do with that. Let's take a look what he says in verse 1 through 5. He says, oh Lord. He goes back to his relationship with God. He says, Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. Everything? Right? Not just what I put on social media. You know, not just what I show people at work and in public. You know everything about me, God. You know when I sit down. You know when I stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. In that place, this literally means it's not necessarily distance as much as it is in my heart. When, I'm, when I want nothing to do with you, when I'm, when I'm cursing you, when I'm, I'm disagreeing with you, when I'm rebelling, you know what I'm thinking even in that place. You see me when I travel and when I, you see me when I drive and I go five and a half miles over the speed limit. You see that, God? And when I rest at home, you know everything I do. You know, every website I go to, you know everything about me, God. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it. And then he says in verse 5, you go before me and you follow me and you're beside me and you're around me. You're everywhere, God. And then he says this profound statement, you place your hand of blessing on my head. In other words, David's saying, God, you know everything about me, and yet you still love me, believe in me, and bless me. And it's out of that revelation, it's out of that understanding, it's out of that truth that we can have the courage to take off our mask and say, here's the real me. The point is that being healthy and authentic doesn't mean that we pretend to have it all together. It doesn't mean that we present ourselves as being something that we're not. Being healthy and being authentic means that we're just honest about our imperfections. We're honest about our problems and our inadequacies and our pain. And here's the key. When we get into that place of authenticity, we start to uncover something that every single one of us have, and that is blind spots. Have you ever had someone tell you, like, man, the way you came across there was, like, harsh and rude and inconsiderate? You ever had someone tell you that? And you're like, no, I wasn't. I haven't, but I just wondered if you guys had ever had that happen to you, right? Like, I, I remember early on in mine and Justina's marriage, it was maybe, like, six months into our marriage, and uh, I remember we were in a, uh, a conversation. That we just were having some intense fellowship. That's all it was. And... Um, she was expressing that I hurt her feelings. And I was expressing, well, I didn't mean to. And I thought that was good enough. Like, but that wasn't my heart. Like, I wasn't trying to. And I wasn't meaning to. It wasn't my heart. My heart's pure, babe. It's about my heart. I don't understand what you're going to get about that. I didn't mean to. Can we not move on after this? What's going on? What's the big deal? And that's how I kind of lived in our relationship for the first three to six months. How many of us know? Maybe you knew already, but it didn't work. We were having a lot of issues, a lot of problems. And finally, it had come to a head where she had just broke down crying. And just so you know, whenever a pastor just seen it breaks down and cries in our marriage and relationship, it doesn't happen a lot, but it does happen. 
I don't know what to do. I'm like, I just stand there like with a deer in headlights, like, should I run? I don't know what to do. We were just talking and now she's crying and I, God, Lord, help me. And I start praying. I just put my head, I get, sometimes I get on my knees and just bow my, Lord, do something here. Fix her, God. I don't know what to do. And therein lies the problem. If you could just fix her, God, it would, everything would be fine. And that round the mountain, here we go again, right? But I remember in that, just, she's crying, she's impressing, but, but it was in that moment where it all came to a head where I, I had this, because she was able to be authentic and real in a very vulnerable time when she was hurting, she just shared, but that, the hurt, but I didn't mean to, but it still hurt. And I had, I had the revelation, as maybe simple as it sounds, I finally saw it for the very first time. Wait a minute. I had to take responsibility. Good that my heart was pure, but I still have to take responsibility for my actions. But here's the beautiful thing. All of a sudden, what was blind, I could now see. And when we, when we start to be authentic and vulnerable, we start seeing some of our blind spots and all of a sudden we become aware of those things we didn't see before. And now that we're aware about them, now we can do something with it. I can do something about that. So now when she cries, I just say, was it my fault? <laughs> and around the mountain we go again, you know? So, but uh, I'm, I'm trying, but... You know, when we talk about blind spots, someone once said that uh, there are two ways that we can be blinded to the truth. One is to believe what isn't true. The other is to refuse to believe what is true. Isn't that second one so difficult that we, we, we refuse? No, I didn't. I didn't come up. No, I didn't. But if I'm vulnerable and authentic, I can deal with some issues of my heart and and I was just thinking too, uh, I remember, never forget uh, when I interned at a church in, in Kansas City uh, with the heart to go into full-time ministry. Uh, I, I remember uh, I was in like eight other interns and my heart was to be in ministry. And so I'll never forget, we're about 90 days in our 90-day review. We're sitting down with the pastor that's overseeing the interns. And it was Pastor Gary Stucker. And he's just a big old, like 6'8", big old dude, played minor league baseball and owns his own construction company. He's like, he's a guy... I don't want to fight, but if I'm in a fight, I want him on my side. That was the kind of guy he was. And, and so I remember he's, a little, he's intimidating. I'll never forget my 90-day review came up, and I was going after this one guy uh, who, who, who was not getting his homework done, was not doing good in classes, couldn't show up on time to serve. Like He was doing everything wrong. How many know that's the guy you went to go before you in your 90-day review? I'm like, I'm going to walk into this thing, and it's going to be awesome. Like, he's going to tell me, that last guy was screwed up. Kyle, you're amazing. Just keep doing it. That's what I'm, high five. Maybe he had some money to give me a gift card. That's what I was thinking I was walking into. And so I walk into it, and Pastor Gary, the first thing he said out of his mouth, he said, Kyle, you are so selfish, self-centered, arrogant, and proud. I don't think you're going to make it through this internship. And I was like, am I in the wrong meeting? Is this, I didn't, the last guy's gone. This is, I'm me. You know what I mean? I thought, I mean, my jaw dropped wide open. I couldn't believe it because I'm like, that's not, that's not the guy I want to be. That's not who I am. That's, that's not the kind of person I want to be known for. And so I remember that night we had a prayer meeting at the church and I just, man, I got on my face and I kind of wept before the Lord because I didn't see that. I did not see that coming. And so I just prayed, Holy Spirit, show me times where I'm being selfish and arrogant and it's all about me. I mean, that's a dangerous prayer. Actually, I prayed first, God, show Pastor Gary how he's wrong. 
Would you do that for me? And then the next day, after I prayed that, that first prayer, not the second, I remember standing in a circle with all the interns before class started, and we were just talking about whatever. And I, I, I remember we were talking about something, and all of a sudden, I just went, and I was like, yeah, but I did this, and then I went there, and then I did this as well, and then I did that too. And all of a sudden, in that moment, the Holy Spirit just goes, that's what he's talking about. And all of a sudden, I just had this moment. None of the other interns, they just kept talking. They didn't know, but I'm having this moment going, for the first time, I see it. Everything I just said was all about me. I could care less about what everybody else was saying. I didn't even address it. I just wanted to say about me. But it was in that moment, I, I went from being self-absorbed to becoming self-aware. And a blind spot was revealed to me. Now I can do something about it. Come on, authenticity. That's what God's calling us to, 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 uh, to go after, right? Understanding our significance Having the courage to choose. Come on, that's why it's called choosing to be authentic. I gotta make that choice. It's scary. We gotta be vulnerable. But if we wanna have healthy relationships, healthy marriages, these are the steps that we have to take. And so remember, our relationships are only as healthy as we are. And it's not easy, it's not comfortable, but man, we go on this journey of understanding our significance, being authentic, and then we can move on to the step. Number three that we can take to, towards health that will change every relationship that we, have, that we have, and that is number three, walking in love. It's a progression. Now it becomes about other people and how we can deeply connect with the people that we love. This is when life becomes so fulfilling. This is when relationships really get fun. Because now we begin to give our life away to other people. Jesus said it like this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. He said, you are blessed when you care. At, at the moment of being careful, you find yourselves cared for. And now we, we can begin to recognize other people's needs. We can, we can start seeing life from their perspective. And we can recognize that maybe other people's needs aren't always the same needs that we have. And it's in this place that we can start putting into practice the greatest relationship lesson that has ever been taught in the history of the world. It was given to us by Jesus on what is known as the Sermon on the Mount. And there's several different truths that Jesus gives to us in that sermon. But, but one thing stands out, especially when it comes to relationships and marriages. Jesus says, if you want to know how to have some of the most successful relationships in your life, put yourself in someone else's shoes. Let's take a look at it. Matthew chapter 5, verse 41. Maybe you've read this passage of scripture before and didn't really know the context behind it. See, what, what, what happened was the, the Romans actually had instituted a law to help their soldiers out because they had these backpacks of their gear that weighed around 65, 66 pounds, scholars believe. And so to keep them from getting tired because they had a lot of traveling they had to do, that anytime a Roman soldier, a Roman soldier could force or demand any Jewish person to carry their backpack for a mile. You see, every Roman road was, had mile markers, kind of like, like we do today on our highways. And so they knew when they had walked a mile. And so Jesus uses this, this practical illustration that everyone would have been familiar with to teach us about the power of empathy. Verse 41, chapter 5, Matthew. 
if a soldier demands. Other versions say, if a soldier forces you to carry his gear for a mile, what does Jesus tell him? Don't do it. He says, don't just do one mile. Carry it two miles. He teaches us this, this principle and the power of empathy. You see, empathy means imagining what life is like at a moment in time for another person. It means putting ourselves in their skin, looking at life through their eyes. It means walking in their shoes. And how many of us know it's a rare quality in our world today? How many know it's a rare quality in our relationships and marriages today? How many times have we said to ourselves, if only they would understand how I feel. If only they would know what I'm going through. If only they would see how much I've done today, how I've taken care of the kids and I cleaned up and I did this and I did, anybody else besides me have that thought? There's been millions of times I would, if Justina could just understand for a second how I feel, know the load that I'm carrying. But what's the, it starts with me, doesn't it? It starts with me. What if I would take a step back and quit worrying about me for one second and I would just look at all that Justina carried this day, all that she's done, all the work she's put into, the load that's on her shoulders, how tired she is. I mean, it would change everything. It would change our relationships. Only the healthiest people among us become, become adapt to practicing empathy. And that's exactly why their relationships are so healthy. Empathy is the on-ramp to us walking in love. It's the single most important skill set for all relationships. And everything we talked about today in the message has been leading up to this point. Empathy is the evidence of walking in love. The truth is the greatest gift that we can give to our spouse and all of our relationships is the gift of working on the person that we are. Let it start with me, that we would understand our significance. Let me get into God's word. Let me spend some time praying. Let me get some mentors. Let me get in God's house. Let me get into a small group. God, give me a greater revelation of my significance so I can have a greater revelation of my spouse's significance. Let me see her. Let me see him the way you do, God. And we have the courage to choose authenticity. Let me take the mask off. Here, here I am. And vulnerability is a huge part of authenticity not pretending I'm something that I'm not or acting like I don't have any problems or pain or issues. Some of the greatest intimate moments between me and my wife has been where we've taken off the mask and say, here's, where, here's, here's who I really am. Here's, here's me being authentic and vulnerable before you. And it's brought us so much closer. And then finally, that we would just walk in love, put ourselves in the other person's shoes because our relationships are only as healthy as we are. Would you pray with me today? Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you, God, for the principles and the power of your word. God, I pray right now, even for those of us in a relationship right now that might be struggling, might be going through some hardship, God, I, I pray that you would remind us that if we would just turn our hearts to the Lord and start putting in some practical steps that, God, you can make all things new again. I pray that you would revive some relationships in this place today.
that you revive some marriages, that we get back and we just grab a hold of the reality. It starts with me. And our relationships are only as healthy as we are. As we're praying together with every head bowed, every eye closed, you know, the first step was just understanding our significance, really being in this relationship with God, getting right with God. And maybe wherever you're at, whatever season of life, single, dating, married, wherever you're at, if you would say, man, I don't have a relationship with God. I've never surrendered my life to him. I've never said, here's my life. God, I want to know you. I want to follow you. I want to live my life to honor you, to live out your plan for my life. If you've never done that, or maybe you did at one point in time, but you've drifted, today you need to say, you're first. With every head bowed, every head closed, if that's you, would you just lift your hand to heaven, says to me, I, I, I need to get right with God today. I need to understand my significance and his plan. As you lift your hand to heaven, would you just pray this prayer with me? Say, God, thank you for your love that never fails. Thank you for loving me the way you, that you do. That even when I was a sinner, even in my darkest moment, Christ died for me. Thank you, God, for your love. Today, forgive me of my sin. Fill me with your spirit. Show me how to live. My life is yours. As we continue praying together today, I just want to pray over the marriages and the relationships in the room. If you're sitting next to your spouse or even someone you're dating, just grab their hand. Maybe you're sitting next to someone you want to date. You can grab their hand too. <laughs> Do it, God. Do it, Lord. Now, Father, we, we thank you for our spouse. God, help us to put ourselves in their shoes. To see how much they do. The weight that they carry. And I pray a sweet sense of gratitude would come upon us. God, I pray you revive. That you would bring, breathe some fresh life into our marriages today. As we simply understand our significance choose to be real and authentic and vulnerable and walk in love. I speak a blessing over every marriage here today, every relationship, that we grow closer to you, God, and as we do, we grow closer together to one another. We love you. We honor you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's give God some praise for all he did today. So good.